The lifestyle matters. It's more than money. Rob Gear here. I'm filling in for Faisal Carmelli. He's away. Mm-hmm. Had a, a new baby at home. Yep, he is. Yeah, new little Carmelli in the world. Right. I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> Certainly interesting. We'll have to wait and see. But congratulations, buddy. Thanks. Uh, uh, you know, thanks for not showing up to this show and staying <laughs> home so we can pick on you uh, throughout the show. Dave, uh, you had the you had the early shift this week, yeah. and there was nothing short to talk about. Lots of data points coming in. Yeah, you know, the markets were interesting, um, and, and we'll get to that uh, in just a second. We, but there's a couple of things I think that's going to make this a very interesting show. You know, this is a beautiful weekend. People are going to want to start gardening, right? Is Is now the time to get out there? and start hammering your lawn, what should you be doing in preparation for that? Mm-hmm. We want to talk a little bit about that with an expert who's a fantastically entertaining speaker, so you want to stick around for that. We also, you, you have an experience with, um, with parents and, and, and in-laws mm-hmm. about aging in place. And how do you assess whether or not your home, and in fact, this isn't just a retirement thing, but how do you assess whether your home is the right place, right mm-hmm. walls, for the lifestyle that you want. Yeah. And we're going to talk to an expert and author about, uh, about how to determine that. So a really, a really interesting uh, show lined up. But to your point, we had a really interesting week in the markets as well. Yeah. Um, the, the markets were holding their breath to see whether or not U.S. big tech earnings, mm-hmm. revenues, were going to be holding in there. Right. And they did. They did. They did, large part they did. There was differences amongst the companies, but what I would say is consistently, they all beat top, top line and bottom line uh, mm-hmm. expectations. Um, the Amazon uh, release was, was interesting to me uh, in that they had, they, they had a fantastic quarter, but their forward forecast around their cloud business mm-hmm. really caught the market's attention. And so news breaks uh, on... I guess it was Thursday after market close. After market trading on Amazon goes up 10%. Right. By the time we had the early trade on Friday morning, uh, it was trading down 4%. So you can see how sensitive the markets are about what that, what that forward forecast is going to look like, right? right. So uh, I, I think we have to keep an eye on that, right? I think the markets are, in fact, if you look at Intel, uh, sorry, um, yeah, Intel. Intel is reporting on Friday as well. Intel completely, they had the biggest loss in, in their history in a quarter. Okay? Now, in fairness, it was slightly better than what was expected. But their forward forecast in the back half of the year and profit margin forecast improvement was good. It was a surprise. Mm-hmm. And that stock traded up 7%. So here you have a beat from Amazon, right? Strong numbers in this quarter, forward forecast week, stock trended down. You got crushed in the quarter here in Intel, but Ford forecast looks good. Stock trades up, so you, you can. I think you get a sense how s- twitchy. So was there was there a trend on the forward guidance <clears throat> for the uh, for the big tech? tech? Yeah, yeah. Generally, it was um, it, it was pretty good, but it was company specific, and I'm talking mm-hmm. about you know the big you know the big five, big six, big seven names. Um, uh, it was stable or reasonably good. With a, with a few exceptions. So I would say if you had to pick a trend, I'd say generally speaking, it was it, it, in line with expectations on the forecast okay? and better than expected in the, um, uh, you know, in the, in the current quarter. Mm-hmm. Now, we're halfway through earnings season. 
So let's broaden out the conversation because, quite frankly, 90% of the move on the, on the S&P 500 is seven companies. Yeah. That's it. It's not been a broad rally. However, 260 companies in on the 500 or so, uh, 80% have beaten their expectations. Now, historically, historically, analysts are a bit conservative, and there is a, you know, it's a beat, but only 66% beat. So definitely, earnings are coming in stronger than expected. And, and when we started the quarter, we were expecting to see a contraction in earnings on the S&P 500 to the tune of about 5.1 or 5.2%. Right now, expectations around 24 So it has materially improved since we started earnings season, right? And that's one of the things that the market has been on the wait-and-see side for is our earnings holding up. Now, having said all that, the forward forecasts are important because we're getting some economic data yeah. that indicates things are slowing. Yeah, and we've got a big, uh, well, early next week, right? We have a decision on the U.S. Fed yep. on what they're going to do. Uh, we had some inflationary numbers mm-hmm. late this week. Yep. Um, this is one of the key measures for the Fed, right, the PCE. Um, and there's a bunch, there's some interesting data in that. So the headline number fell uh, pretty aggressively, 5.2 down to about 4.2, somewhere in that range. But the core number that the Fed's looking at when you strip out energy and, and food, both which came down, by the way, um, was a little bit higher than expected. Mm-hmm. So it was a 4.6% annualized reading versus a 45 so it's a bit, again, it's sticky, right? Mm-hmm. It's taken longer. And my feeling is that data is likely going to cement that quarter point increase. Right. The question now is, we'll watch the market over the, over the coming week or so to see if it starts to price in any more mm-hmm. increases, right? Yeah. So one of the things that we're watching is, is the uh, bond markets are pricing in some rate cuts at the end of the year. Now, the Fed and the Central Bank, Canada, uh, Canada's uh, Bank of Canada have been saying that rate cuts aren't on the table, right? So there's, a, there's a, a discrepancy between what the central banks are telling us and what the markets are pricing in. And so there's a potential for some interest rate moves depending on, you know, I guess depending on the guidance that comes out next week. So it'll yeah. be interesting to see what the Fed says. And sticky inflation is going to be one of those on how long and how well, the economy sticks up. If this, if we're going to ever going to get rate cuts this year, calendar year. Yeah. Historically speaking, though, when we look at inflationary data, we talk about this: how long it takes when they start to rise interest rates, and before that starts to take. So, are we in? Hmm. Are we in that timeline now? Yeah. Normally, it's going to be between twelve and eighteen months, right? right? And and so let's just to use use the U.S. Canada started a bit earlier, but the U.S. started uh, raising rates in March of last year. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting because we saw those banks collapse in March of this year, right? So that's 12 months in. So really now is the sensitive point to see how, what effect, I guess, the, uh, uh, the rapid rate increases that we've seen in both Canada and the United States are going to take uh, effect. Um, there is certainly evidence to suggest that the economies are slowing, right? So mm-hmm. we got some GDP data, uh, gross domestic product data out of the United States, indicating that... Um, that the economy had slowed, but there was some nuance to that. So expecting growth around 2% and the economic data came in at 1.1, but that's because businesses cut back on uh, ordering more inventory. They used up inventory, right? So if you strip that number out, you actually had pretty decent growth still in the United States. That likely means the Fed goes another quarter point, right? Mm -hmm. 
Canada, we did see a slowing um, on the economic data. We still have a strong quarter, stronger than what's likely expected. But the flash estimate for March indicates a contraction in the Canadian economy, down 0.1%. So the trend seems to be slowing in both of those instances, which again is by design what the Fed, uh, what the Fed wants to see and what the Bank of Canada wants to see. We just have to wait and see if they've gone too far too fast on those increases, mm-hmm. how are they going to filter through in the next yeah. several quarters, right? So people still spending, but starting to question where question. they're spending. Yeah, consumer yeah. confidence seems to be in question. Okay, um, uh, an interesting week as always. We've got to make sense of all of this and put together strategies and, and portfolios to help support lifestyles for people. Right. And we're going to talk about the way to bulletproof uh, your portfolio or pensionize your portfolio and protect yourself from some of this at our upcoming seminar. Yes, join us for our next one, Tuesday, May 23rd, 7 p.m., in person at the Silver Springs Golf and Country Club. Go to morethanmoneyradio.com to register. You know, our last presentation, the Q&A is always fascinating to see what yeah. people are, are truly thinking about. So I look forward to, to seeing you there. You know, Rob, this, the idea of aging in place is, um, I think, a dream of most people that we talk to, right? Yeah. Um, there's sentimental value to the house and so on and so forth. The question is, is that always the right decision? Right. Right. And how do you assess that? Right. Yourself yeah. or your family. How do you help that uh, or help, uh, you know, a loved one make that decision? Because it's it's not easy. Right. No. So no. we need to explore a little bit about what the options are uh, for people as they age. Um, what's healthy and safe. Right. Um, in, in terms of those different options. Right. The different stages of your life. And to help us under, uh, understand, I guess, all the complexity of that. We've got Ryan Frederick here. He's the CEO of a company called Here. He's also the author of Right Place, Right Time, and specializes effectively in place and healthy, uh, healthy living, healthy longevity. So, Ryan, first of all, welcome to the show. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Okay, well, you heard the setup a little bit. I, you know, I contend that, um, that most of the people that we talk to really have the, the dream or the desire to stay in their house as long as possible. Um, and that's not, of course, always possible. And even some people, when they make that decision, they probably overstay their welcome in their house, and it's not necessarily safe as well. I'd like you to maybe share with us a little bit about, with your experience, about what, first of all, f- define the options that people have available to them, and then we'll talk a little bit about how to assess it. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, it's, it's, I would say it's complex, but it's also really important. And when you look at the research about healthy longevity, uh, only up to as much as 20% of your longevity is linked to your DNA. It's much more about lifestyle and environment. And, and these realities are not relevant just because you're in your 70s. This is across life. And so this decision of where to live to optimize the chances of thriving, it's a question that we really all should be asking at different chapters and stages of life. Uh, in fact, it's... I know, I know with the work that I do and the clients I work with, I get inquiries really from people of all ages around, am I in the right place? How should I think about this? When we, when we zoom in, Dave, specifically to this aging in place phenomenon, uh, which becomes more relevant, I would say, for uh, empty nesters, pre-retirees, retirees, and, and going on, uh, there is absolutely, for most people, as you describe this desire to st- Maybe stay where you are. There's a comfort level, you know, as part of that. Uh, but I find that um, while there are a number of options, which we'll get into, I find that uh, sometimes people 
uh, focus on what they're used to, not necessarily thinking about the fact that there may be better options elsewhere. And, and when I talk about the lifestyle dimensions that matter for healthy longevity, it really starts with purpose and social connection, being you know, physically active, uh, 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 the money component of this, which is being financially well for a longer life, and then the, the physical but also emotional and psychological elements related to place. And, and so I think that when, when, uh, when people are living in the, the prototypical multi-story you know, suburban home, these homes were not designed for people to live to 100 years which is, you know, you're seeing half of the, of the of, of kids born today are expected to live to at least 200. It's like a new stage of living that we're in. So if you're in your 60s or 70s day and you're thinking about this, I guess the first thing I would say is it's important to see, reframe your understanding of place as more than just a physical place, more than just a financial asset, but actually one of the most important decisions you make related to your health and well-being because it has such an important role around whether you're socially connected, whether you're physically active, you know, and so on. Um, when you look at the options, uh, Dave, you know, one of the things that comes up is if I do want to stay where I am, in what ways, uh, um, when we say age in place, age in place can be literally your four walls, or it also can mean your four, which is what I advocate. It's your four walls plus your block, your neighborhood, you know, your metropolitan area. So you might, when you say age in place, it might be, I want to be, I want to stay in my, where my people are in my neighborhood or community, but maybe my four walls, my current house, maybe that's not the right place for me. So that's one of the important distinctions early on. There's an assessment tool on the HERE website, here.life. You can see uh, an assessment there that helps you just get a sense of, is my current place working for me or not? So if you're someone that that is interested in aging a place, the first question is, well, is my current place really the right one to start with? And if not, are there things I can modify in my current house that would you know that would make it work better than than otherwise, but um, uh, but that, that's how, probably how it start. Dave is, am I you know am I thinking about this broadly enough? Is does my current place work for me? If it turns out it does work for me, is your is your rigorous about it? Great, but over time, you know your needs and 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 desires change, but also places change too. Like you know the traffic can get worse. Maybe there's safety issues. Climate change is a big thing now. So. You know, you could be a spot where it, 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 though you may have a strong association emotionally, maybe it's just not the right place. So just, I encourage people to be more rigorous because it matters. Yeah, Ryan, this is a really relevant topic for me because I'm going through the conversations with my mother and my in-laws at this time. And it's probably not the greatest conversation for us to have, right? Because we're, they're both in the child, the, the houses we grew up in, right? So there's some nostalgia attached to these places. And so it's tougher for us to have the conversations, but maybe you can give us, um, what are the maybe for children or people having the conversation with that generation? What are the top three things to kind of go through to say maybe it is time or what what they should look for next steps? Yeah, it, it, yeah as you allude to, Rob, it can be a bit of a dicey situation. Uh, you know, not just with the in-laws, you know, with your own parents as well. Uh, but it, it's, again, it's a decision that matters, has implications. Uh, 
you know, my book goes into my book, right place, right time goes into this in some detail, but what I would, one of the, and, and it's written in such a way that it really is about the, I would say the optimism, the opportunity of living longer and leaning into that as opposed to uh, the challenges. So real quick on that, there's something called the U-shaped happiness curve, which a lot of people don't know about. You can find, I have a blog, you can find a little bit more about it on the website, but the whole premise, it's been proven out globally, is that people have a certain level of happiness in their uh, uh, 20s, and then it kind of goes down somewhat precipitously until in your late 40s, early 50s, and then it bottoms out and picks up. So people in their 70s, 80s actually are happier than they were in their 20s. I, I, sometimes I like to attribute that dips to having teenagers in the house but I digress. Uh, what I would say is a key piece is having a vision for what do they want their life to look like. That's the first step, Rob. What do you want your life to look like? And, and so, and in that process, and, and that's not, you can lean into the positives of that. What, like what really, you know, and, and then again, I think an assessment, which in the book and also on the website is helpful because then you get to say, maybe where are things not working right now? And, and that, that can put some, some, some objective, uh, uh, put some things to light that says, actually, you know, this may be a lot of house, you know, for you to maintain. Is that really, you know, is that sustainable? What are other options? So I, I would start off with an understanding of what you want your life to look like optimistically, what, you know, how can we make the best of these extra years, recognizing that people are, if you're college educated with some resources, your longevity continues to climb kind of pioneers in this, in that, in that regard. And then, and then, and then secondly, then does my current place, in what ways is my current place fit that vision or not? And then the third thing would be, uh, would be around, well, what are the other options out there? And by the way, this isn't single family house versus skilled nursing. There are a lot of options in between for people. And I go into that in the book, there's some more resources. Recently, I've been doing some beta workshops that we're going to roll out into real workshops and courses. So there's content out there that people can get to say, oh my gosh, I could move into yeah. you know, a condo that meets a lot of my physical needs, meets my financial needs. And wow, that would be great for a bunch of reasons. So I think in general, people have a fear, Rob, sometimes they don't want to, they don't want to go there. They don't want to think about that. But then that that's probably as wise as not as, as, uh, not financially planning for a longer life. I don't want to think about it. So therefore I'm not going to, not a good idea, you know? And, and so I think there's ways, um, if, if I, I don't recommend, uh, kids, uh, uh, saying, making the decisions for people, uh, particularly if people have, that can lead to a whole set of bad things. Um, but I think, and then finding opportunities to have those conversations where there's some space over a meal, over, you know, dead time during a holiday, you know, there, there are some opportunities for that. Ryan, thank you for that. Um, we've quickly run out of time on a topic that we can't do justice in the amount of time that we've given, but I want to thank you very much for joining us today. Yeah, my, my, uh, my, my privilege. Enjoyed the conversation. I do recommend people go to the here.life website, particularly for that assessment, if this is something uh, of, my, of top of mind for you or for a loved one. Super. Thanks very much, Ryan. Uh, Rob, we've seen, we've had lots of conversations with lots of people, and, and I think that many people have uh, lost their purpose in retirement mm -hmm. going through COVID. In fact, I, I would even go before COVID, we've, we have lots of conversations with people transitioning into retirement. And, um, you know, when you ask them what are they retiring from, they can give you a pretty clear answer. Mm -hmm. But when you ask what they're retiring to, 
it's not quite as clear, is it? Right? I'm not sure people have thought through or have a good idea of what they're retiring to. And so I think we're going to explore that topic today. And we've got a terrific guest to help us do that. Maureen uh, Dobransky is a speaker, author, and a retirement expert. Maureen, first of all, welcome to the show. Thank you. Let's talk about this idea of purpose. This is something I've been pretty passionate about lately because, uh, you know, at the top of the, the segment, I said, I think people have lost their way a little bit. And it's not that they were particularly good um, before COVID, but I think it has it's compounded the problem and derailed people a little bit. And so I would love to be able to help people get back on track, right? Re find that, that purpose again that they want, what gets them up in the morning and, and, and you know, creates a high quality experience in retirement. So let me just start by saying, what is, is the anecdotal evidence that we see in these conversations, are you seeing that on a broader basis? Absolutely. So many people during COVID were forced into the lockdowns and then kind of lost their way. And they're struggling to find their way back. And you're right, they didn't have a lot of this even before COVID. Sometimes a lot of their purpose when you're when you're working 30 years and all of a sudden that's gone, they find they lose their purpose anyhow. But after COVID, you see so much more of it and it's really difficult to find your way back. So let's let's define this idea of purpose. Maybe like share with me some idea of what people should be thinking about when they, you know, when we hear this word purpose. What what are we talking about? Right. So there's two ways to look at purpose. One is just why do I need to get out of bed in the morning? What what, what right. reason do I have to get out of bed? And that's by far the majority of the people that retire. That's their purpose. And then there's this bigger meaning of purpose. What do I need to do with my life? That's a very very small amount. Of people, but for the far majority of us, we've worked. We worked our whole lives. We went to school to get a good job, to get a house, to have kids, to get a promotion, and now all of a sudden, all of that's gone. Why get up in the morning? And so the purpose is just to to have passion back into your life, have excitement, have things to do. And my tagline is always to have a remarkable retirement. That's all we want to do. So, Maureen. I think the conversations that we have, a lot of them come down to the financial part is the easy part. Yeah. Right? We explore that. We do a financial plan. That's fine. On a planning perspective or a start, how do people start to find what their purpose might be in this transition? Yeah. So, and if you do Google retirement, 99.9% of it is financial. So the other 0.1% is lifestyle. So it's it's quite easy to start the process, but you have to really be honest with yourself when you're doing the process, when you're working the process. And it's just asking yourself a series of questions. What what do I miss about my work? What did I love to do? What makes me excited? What makes me happy? What makes me laugh? Um, what were, what was, what did I want to do as a, as a child? Maybe if you still like that, then obviously it's time to add that back into your life, but you have to ask yourself and be honest with yourself, those types of questions. Now that's the easy part of the process. The hard part of the process for most people, not necessarily me because I like um, putting myself out there, but the hard part of the process then is adding those things back into your life, taking that class, putting yourself out there and meeting people, um, finding where these other people that have the similar interests to you, where they hang out, and then going to meet them. A lot of people have struggle with putting themselves out there to find that passion and put it back into their lives. 
You know, Rob um, and Maureen, I'll include you in this. We talk a lot about, um, and you alluded to this, people will wake up in general every day, and assuming you survive the day, you're going to fill that day with activity, as you said, right? And, you know, I think about activities a lot in, in this respect, is that if you can take thoughtful activities and bundle them together, then you can create some form of an experience out of those activities, and then if you're really good and you can bundle those activity, sorry, those experiences together, then it can feed up into something bigger than those individual experiences alone. And this is where, you know, I start thinking about the purpose. But the problem that I see is you can't start with activity, right? You have to start with the purpose and your passion and the lifestyle goal or whatever phrase you want to use. And you need to work backwards from that so that you can determine what those day-to-day activities are going to be. And that's what I mean by a, a thoughtful activity. So are there, are there tips or tricks that you can give people um, on, on how to start thinking about that? And I get what you said, the, the passions and so on and so forth, but where do we, where do, how do we, how do we uh, uh, take those ideas and bundle them to try to get down to that, that purpose, what a company would call a mission statement, right? So that you can communicate to that, that, that to the people around you and look for those that, that are trying to do the same, the same thing. So I'm trying, to, trying to, uh, to, to pick your brain a little bit about the specific things people can do to get back on track. Yeah. Um, a lot of times you can Google again, you can go online and find your, your values um, exercise. What are yep. your values? What do you really value in life? And when you find out your values, and oftentimes in the corporate world, they do this all the time. They find out their values. But when you find out your own values, your personal values of what you want the rest of your life to be like, oftentimes that's a great starting point. And from there, then work backwards. How can I get those more of those values into my day-to-day life? And then again, I, I, I'm harping on it, but it's all about asking those questions. What can I do next to add this back into my life and then trying it. And and it's okay if you try something and you go, hmm, that, that didn't quite do it. That's okay. Right. Try something else and, and keep working through the process. But ask yourself what, what do you what do you value in life? And do a values exercise and come out with your own personal mission statement. I, I think I think that's right on, on the money, right? You've got to start you gotta dig deep to find out what it, what those values are, right? And that's not necessarily an easy thing to do. Here's a question. We've got, we've got maybe uh, another minute and a half, Maureen. Um, so do a couple's values have to be identical? Definitely not. And I, I would be concerned if they were identical. Um, but you have to um, be cognizant of what the other person wants and then be able to allow them to have their own values. So when a husband has something different than a wife, I think that's very, very healthy. If they're too far apart, it's scary. But if they're too close together, that's not healthy either. Right. And I, Rob, I think that's something we talk about uh, often, right? So, so Maureen, the watching people transition through this process is interesting because uh, most people don't work together and live together, right? Most people's experience are they have interests that are their own interests, and that's what we call right. work, right? And then you may have some hobbies that are different, mm-hmm. and then you have some things that are the same, and the overlap could be family or, you know, whatever the case may be. So I find it interesting when, when, when people, 
and I pick on guys because I think guys are worse than this, is they, they think, great, I'm going to retire, I'm going to come home and I'm going to invade, they don't say it this way, but I'm going to invade my, my partner's uh, space and all of a sudden, whoa, this isn't what I expected, right? So I think your point is exactly right about it shouldn't be. Yeah. They've never been the same, right? They should be different. In it. But as you said, there better be some overlap in there as well. So how does this exercise work? What should people start with if they want to get going on this? Uh, do a quick values exercise. Make sure that you have that, if, if at all possible, have that with your spouse or with your partner. Have that same values exercise. Take a look at each other's and then begin asking yourself the tough questions. What do I love? What do I miss? What makes me sing? What makes me happy? What makes me dance? And begin um, adding those things back into your life. But you need to take a risk when you add those things back into your life by putting yourself out there. Maureen, thank you very much for putting yourself out there with us right now and helping, uh, I think, helping at least people start the questioning process, right? Sit down, let's start thinking about this again. And let's make sure we're self-directed in, in achieving what we want with this gift of time that we've been given in retirement, right? Right, and reevaluating different stages of retirement, too. Yeah. Maureen, thank you very much. Uh, Maureen Dobransky is an author, a speaker, and a retirement expert uh, and helping us rediscover our purpose. We, it, it's spring, man. We're having a nice mm -hmm. weekend this weekend. Uh, I'm going to be outside in the garden. I know lots of people are. And the urge is just to start getting at it, yep. right? Because we want our yards to start to look good. <laughs> the question is, is it too early? Sandals and T-shirts. Right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so Colin Hales is joining us today. Colin is a purchaser at Golden Acres Home and Gardens. He's also the host of the Healthful Gardeners podcast. And um, Colin, welcome to the show um, Colin has been a participant in our community sessions, uh, just recently done a fantastic job. We're happy to have you back, my friend. I'm happy to be back. Thank you guys for inviting me. It's, uh, it's that time of year. Like you said, uh, everybody's itching to be outdoors. It's, it's that after that long winter, and when we get weekends like this, we certainly don't want to waste them. Well, Colin, we just had a great speaker on talking about, uh, passion and, and purpose and a lot of people have the passion of gardening and maybe too passionate that we get at it too early i'm talking to with family members that are already mowing their lawns in ontario so we're a little bit different here when is the right time to start thinking about your garden and your yard you know uh i'm very biased the right time for me to start thinking about it is all the time uh even in february i'm thinking about what i'm going to be doing differently in the uh in the garden what different flowers um you know how i'm going to construct it but but as for right now uh i've been in the industry for 30 plus years uh and i still get excited at this time of year and uh, i think what what people need to realize is that we can go out we can do the prep we can uh start the cleanup we can start pruning uh and trimming but for actual planting, for, for getting that color into your yard, it might be too early for that. Uh, you know, this weekend, they're saying uh, Sunday, I think, 26 degrees, which seems like it should be great. But then next week, I believe we have an overnight of two degrees, not so great. So you really <laughs> want to keep an eye on, on that long-range forecast. What damage can you do, Colin, if you start too early? Oh, if so if, if you go, a good one is lawns. Um, it's normally the first thing we see people working on, uh, and they get out there and they rake it up. Uh, you know, nothing cleans it up like getting that debris off and getting your lawn up. Um, but you see people go really heavy. They, don't, they, they might not have the time to rake twice. They might not want to. They might not know. 
and, and they're going hard, and they dethatch all of that lawn. And, and thatch is that layer that lives uh, between the soil and the grass blade. It's, it's almost like a mulch for your lawn. Well, they rip all that off, and then we get that snowfall, that heavy frost, that really cold rain, and the roots are exposed, and we've, we've raked the soil. And you can really end up stunting or damaging your lawn. Um, best way I, I, I like to explain it is nobody likes to be woken up with the kids running in your room and peeling your eye open or that alarm clock going in your ear. We all want to be woken up gently, birdsong and what's happening, and, and that's what your garden wants as well. I think that's an excellent analogy. Um, okay, let's let's talk a little bit about thinking about it. So there are lots of things that you can uh, you can start to do in preparation, uh, you know, for whatever the May long weekend or whenever you know you're going to tell us that the best day in Calgary to start is. But so what what should we be thinking about in prepping right now? Um, what you can think about is, you know, uh, last year, were you looking at the garden and did you, um, were there some perennials or shrubs that you wanted to transplant? Um, after our winters, uh, you know, we get, we get heavy snows, we get wind. Uh, maybe your, your trees and shrubs might need a light pruning. Get rid of some of that, uh, that diseased and that damaged. Um, when you rake the lawn, even that first pass, you should be able to tell uh, if you have any dead spots. Um, maybe maybe uh, damage from a pet, maybe voles, structural damage when you are shoveling and you've hit it with the, uh, with the snow shovel, the blade has, has scalped it. So there's a lot of uh, the structural things you can be looking at doing. And, and I do want to say, I, I don't want to be the uh, killjoy. If you want some color, and, and I get it, I've already got uh, a few going, uh, get a hanging basket or a, or a pre-made planter. You can put that out during the day when it's nice and sunny, bring it in on days when it's uh, inclement or overnight, and you can still have that pop of color to keep us excited. It doesn't all have to be hard work. Yeah, that's a good idea. What, um, being that we're slower here, what are maybe some of the trends or some of the things that uh, people grow here in Calgary that flourish? Um, you know, surprisingly, for how hard our winters are, there is a fair amount that does good. Um, and, you know, what you can do very, very successfully uh, in Calgary with just a little bit of effort um, is grow tomatoes. Uh, they do amazing. Uh, most of the annual flowers, um, sunflowers, dahlias, zinnia, uh, they do great. They really love, we get so much sunshine uh, and it's so dry. Um, and as long as you're watering and fertilizing, those plants are going to go all season long um, with just that bright array of colors uh, and enjoyment. So, so keep an eye on that. Um, and a lot of, you know, I think people don't appreciate what we're capable of doing in Calgary because uh, I speak to people every year who uh, want to talk about fruit trees and of course they think the apple tree, a uh, very common one, but we can also grow uh, pears, uh, plums and cherries right here in Calgary. You can have a cherry tree in your backyard, pick them off, eat them, put them in your cocktails, whatever. There is a number of things that do good. We even have grapevines and a, a type of kiwi, a kiwi vine, that will grow right here in Calgary. One of the popular topics at our community session was, um, was this notion of how do you uh, prep the yard, fertilize it, and or fix or 
try to reduce the damage pets can do, i.e. my little dog, in my backyard on my lawn. And you had some good ideas around that. Uh, um, uh, that was a very general and specific question. Uh, David, <laughs> yeah, I know. Put I know. Together. Uh, <laughs> um, the best way is prevention. Uh, it really is. Um, I've said it before. Uh, it's it's an ongoing battle. Um, I've I've been dealing with it for years, and and it's not going to go away. And nobody wants to get rid of their dog or their lawn, so we need to find <laughs> that balance. And. Uh, the key is uh, preventing, um, getting a healthy lawn um, and using a uh, product like a dog spot preventer that has certain um, agents in it, like a dolomitic lime, which is going to help neutralize the uh, high nitrates and the acidity uh, from the dog pee and whatnot. So if you can get your lawn bolstered uh, and it, it's more able, it's it's like anything. If if we're healthy, we're more able to withstand if something happens. If we need a surgery or if we get a, si uh, a sickness, and we go into that healthy, we're going to come out of it quicker and better. Your lawn is much the same way. If it's damaged and it's it's not a, a strong structure, and then we get something like a dog spot, uh, the lawn doesn't have the capacity to regenerate itself. It's already spent. So if we maintain that lawn, fertilize it regularly, put down a prevention material, you're going to find that it's much easier to maintain if you even get those kill spots. We've got, um, let's call it 30 seconds left, and I'm going to get you to sneak in the, uh, the, your solution to ants. Ants are a big problem for a lot of people in Calgary. You had a terrific idea around that. Yeah, definitely. So... A lot of years, uh, all people used was that powder, and then it would rain, and, and it really didn't do a whole heck of a lot. There's a new product now, uh, and it's an ant nematode. Nematodes are microscopic. They're in every single soil. Uh, they exist naturally. But these ones are isolated, and they are highly specialized. Uh, and what we call a predator bug. And they will actually seek out and destroy ants. And... In the past four years, we have witnessed these go from ordering, you know, one or two cases a year to dozens of cases. Sometimes it's hard to keep them in stock. They actually work. And instead of trying to combat nature, we're allowing nature to uh, resolve itself. Um, and the amount of gardeners I've turned on to this, it's, it's remarkable and, and all with success stories. Colin, thanks very much. We're going to have to leave it there. We always appreciate your time. Likewise. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great weekend. Cheers. You too. Okay. Uh, gardening is a part of people's lifestyle. We have to talk about lifestyle in a broader perspective, and we have to make it all make sense, and that's we're going to do that at our upcoming seminar. We are. Join us Tuesday, May 23rd, 7 p.m. This will be in person at the Silver Springs Golf and Country Club. Go to morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of More Than Money on QR Calgary. We look forward to chatting with you next week. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.